I, I had a little thing that happened to me. Um, I was praying, and this um, word, actually a song, is how it come to me. Sometimes God will speak to me in songs. And they're not always Christian songs. I, I don't know how he comes to you, but sometimes he'll speak to me, and it'll be a, a secular song, but it gets my attention. And it's not so much the, the secular part of it, but the, the word he's trying to give me, like a confirmation. And uh, I heard the word desperado. And the title of this message is going to be called Desperado. In my lifetime, I've never heard anybody preach Desperado. I have never thought in my lifetime I'd ever preach a message called Desperado. But I heard, how many remember the old song from back in the 70s by the Eagles? Come on, y'all. Now we're telling ourselves. We're in a little bit of our age and our heathenistic ways. Come on, y'all. Desperado. Remember the old song, Desperado? So that song was in my head. And I, I couldn't get rid of it all day long. And it was in prayer and it came back to me. And I felt like the Lord says, I want you to study it, what it means. So I had to find out. I knew there was a movie made about it. I knew there was a song made about it. I knew there was a television show once upon a time, a Western made about it and all that. But desperado means this. A person who is so desperate that they become reckless. I just feel like that's the state where God's bringing his people to. And for whatever reason, the last month or so, maybe a little longer, um, I've had John the Baptist in my heart. I don't know why. It's, it's been there. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know why. I really do know why. I don't know how it came. It just came. It started, started coming. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an interesting character <clears throat> because he stood between two worlds, the old and the new. He was the one to bridge the old covenant with the new covenant, the old day with the new day. John the Baptist was a man who lived on the fringe of society. You know, he, he didn't go with the flow. Just because everybody went a particular direction didn't mean John was going to go that direction. Um, he was one who didn't fit in with the crowd. He would be labeled as a misfit of society. Somebody who would be of the fringes of society. Quite literally, he was outside of Israel at the Jordan River, River under a revelation of God to baptize God's people for the remission of sins. And John the Baptist wasn't looking for the applause of man. He wasn't looking to be included in the club. He didn't care so much about people uh, wanting him to be invited to go out to whatever scene they were involved in. He wanted to be a man after God to speak what God had to say and to do what God wanted him to do. And I believe God's returning that back to us. A people that will not be so concerned about what other people think about them. Do you know the Bible calls you a peculiar person? So why in the world are you trying to fit in with the world when you're supposed to be peculiar anyways? Oh, I know why. Because you can't stand one drop of persecution because you're so weak. That's not what God calls. Matter of fact, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I believe a spirit of boldness is about to fall upon you in a way that you've never had before, honey. And it's going to come on you like a fire in your belly. You're going to stand up to sin. Stand up to the world. John the Baptist had a backbone. I want a preacher in my life that's got a backbone. You can't pay him off. You cannot manipulate him away. Can't dangle a carrot in front of him and tell him to jump. He won't do it. Can't pay him off. He was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I want to be a voice. 
Sometimes it can be lonely. You can be misunderstood. But I'd rather receive the applause of heaven than the applause of man. He was a voice of one crying in the wilderness, literally. And his message was that of repentance. His message was that of being the one to usher in the messianic age or Jesus Christ, the Messiah to the world. He was the introduction to the ministry of Jesus. Without John the Baptist being a lone voice that everybody else mocked, there would not have been the greatest move of God that the earth had ever seen in the form of Jesus Christ. He was the voice of one crying to the world, make straight the way of the Lord. My job is to make things straight. So if there's a valley, fill it in, he said. If there's a mountain, knock it down. We're bringing in a move of God, and it's going to be a Jesus move. That's what he was saying. He was desperate for change, desperate to see God do something. He never saw one miracle that we know of in his ministry, but his miracle was in his voice. And when he spoke, it shuddered hell itself. reckless, told it like it was. Herod would come by trying to be nice to him because, you know, got to play nice because he's got quite a few followers now. And, you know, Herod wants to have a little peace within the followers. And so he comes to be nice. And you know what John the Baptist says? He rebukes Herod, the king, and says, how dare you come up in here like this? You know you're in sin. You're sleeping with your brother's wife. He didn't play political games. I like that. I want to be around that. Matthew 15, verse 21 is what we're going to receive our text from. I just need a few minutes. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him. Cried out to him saying, have mercy on me. Oh Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. You know, demon possession is already pretty bad. But severely demon-possessed? What was so bad or wrong in this woman's life? It must have felt like everything was out of control. I wonder if there's some people in this room today that felt like everything in your life is dark. Everything in your life feels like it's been up, turned upside down and you can't see straight. And I mean like fear and, and, and anxiety and worry. Don't know what to do. And she didn't know what to do, but she knew who to go to. That's all right if you don't know what to do. Guess what? That's okay, but you got to connect to the one who does. Have mercy. Wow, look at the next thing he said, it says here. But Jesus, he answered her not a word. That's where the modern-day Christian quits and blames God and says, God, you won't help me. You won't do what I want you to do. Let me just tell you something. Our society, it's got to be quick, 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 now, now, now. And if it ain't now, I'm out of here. And my God, I've been waiting for 2.3 seconds for that Big Mac. And my God, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm so hungry, I can't see straight. And that idiot jumped in front of me. Oh, y'all don't talk like that? You lie, you fry. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Microwave, put in the microwave. That thing done yet? I got three minutes. It's been three minutes. It's not even hot yet. That thing's getting old. Now, now, now. Quick, 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 quick. But with God, he says, you got to be patient. Because he's working on something far greater than you can see with your normal eyes. Natural eyes. Most Christians would have quit been offended, upset. I prayed. I asked you. I prayed. 
begged for help and you won't even say one word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away, man. For she cries out after us, just like religious folk in church. People begin to cry out and everybody in church gets nervous. Because they're not in line. They're not in check. They're not doing what the program is. But you got to realize, they've been in a place of bondage for so long. They need God to do a miracle. It's either now or never. I'm either going to get it or I'm going to die. Today's my day. i got to have a miracle from God. She's desperate. She cries out and they want to shoo her away. You don't fit the program, lady. But he does answer and he says, I was not sent, Jesus said, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, another rejection. Then she came and worshipped him. She came and she worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, that's where you women would have been so upset. You've been spitting nails. You called me a little dog. Oh, no, you didn't. And she answers and says, yes, Lord. Yet even the lap dog, the little dog that sits in the lap, even the lap dog eats the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Oh, you don't even need the whole loaf. loaf. You just need one crumb for a miracle. Just one dab. One crumb. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare quit. Don't, this is not the time to cower. This is the time to press in like you've never pressed in before. Jesus basically challenged her. Jesus basically ignored her in the natural. He basically insulted her, called her a little dog. But she wouldn't let it go. I want to talk to some folks today that are dealing with some real life stuff. Some people that got some complicated issues going on in their life. A people who's tired of playing games with God and games at church. Who didn't come this morning to tiptoe through the tulips as it were. And have a nice little church experience. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? Didn't the preachers have a good little word today? I'm so sick and tired of that stuff. I can't. I'm not mad. I'm just sick of it. I came to talk to some desperados. Some people that are so desperate for God until they'll throw caution in the wind with reckless abandon in order just to have one crumb of the whole loaf to satisfy their hunger. Do we got some desperados? Desperado. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm too desperate to be denied. Somebody give the Lord a shout today. We say we want to move a God. We say we want revival. Yet God's people are more led by their soul than they are led by the Spirit of God. We want to see the power of God. Yes, we do. Yet if it rains on Sunday, they sacrifice. Come on. They won't even sacrifice their makeup to have more of God. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, I know I'm preaching real good right now. 
Oh, yeah, and when football comes on, you better forget about it, preacher, because me and the Packers got a date. Well, let the Packers pray for you when you need a miracle. Let the Packers come by your house and deliver your children. It's time for the church to stand up and say, I'm tired of that nonsense. I want more, God. We want our family and friends saved, yet we'd rather binge on Netflix than fix the net to hold the harvest. Where are the desperate ones? Where are the desperate ones crying out for our families, crying out for our city? That cry may make some people nervous, but it has the power to set the people free. This woman was desperate. And desperados don't allow circumstances and situations to discourage them or to pull, push them back or to intimidate them. Why? They've got too much at stake. There's too much at stake. They've got, the desperados don't fold under pressure when things are not going their way. They continue to pick up and move forward. That's why I like old Daniel. Daniel was a bad desperado. Who's ever walked into a lion's dead over 24 hours and believed God to come out. I'm talking about hungry lions, y'all. They didn't feed them lions. They were trained to kill that human being. Amen. And yet he walks in there and said, God will, God will take care of me. Walks in there and when they open the door, all them lions are falling asleep and he's all nestled up on one. That is one bad desperado. He needed a miracle. He needed a breakthrough, and it wasn't going to come from the king, and it wasn't going to come from anybody else, but he knew Jehovah. He knew Jehovah would hear him. He knew Jehovah would come through for him. I can't heal you. The person next to you, we can lay hands upon the sick, but that's not our power. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not me you seek. It's God you must seek. It's not a person you seek. It's God you must seek. And Daniel sought God. 21 days. He was fasting. He didn't know he was on the Daniel's fast. He didn't read Jensen Franklin's book. Come on, somebody say amen to that. He wouldn't go, now I wonder, you know how we do. I wonder now, corn tortillas, do they count? Because they actually technically made of corn. And that's part of the Daniel's fast. He just fasted. And he prayed. One day after the next after the next, day two, nothing. Day three, nothing. Day 14, nothing. Day 17, nothing. Day 20, nothing. But on day 21, he didn't know it was going to be day 21. He didn't know he was on a Daniel's fast. He didn't know it was going to be a breakthrough. He just was obedient and faithful. He was so desperate. He was so reckless. I got to have it. I got to have it. And on day 21, the heavens opened and appeared before him was an angel of God. And the angel said, Daniel, I'm not an ordinary person. I'm an angel sent from the presence of God. And I'm here to tell you that the moment you opened your mouth to pray, God heard your prayer. But I would have been here a little sooner. So I want to thank you that you didn't give up on day two. You didn't give up on day three. You didn't give up on day 15. You kept praying. You got desperate. You got reckless. You kept praying. And because of that, God sent back up. Because I came up against the prince of Persia. And I had to fight him. And we won the battle. I went, we had a Hammond B3 organ. Y'all been running about now. 
Desperado. Desperado. Won't give up. Won't give up. Desperado has already put everything on the line. They can't go back now. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about you got you risk more going back than you risk going forward now. Desperados could care less what you think about them. If you're talking behind their back, they don't even care. If you get up in their face in front of them all, they don't even care. Do you know why? They can't hear you because the thing they're after screams louder than the thing that's facing them. Come on, somebody say amen. They've got too much to lose to get caught up in some fleshly nonsense. They get it. If I get off of my row here, if I get out of line here, if I step past my boundary here and get in the flesh, I'll miss what God has for me. And I ain't got no time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Amen, somebody. And, and I got to keep pressing in because it all hinges on my faith and God and my relationship. Listen to me. I want to have a church full of desperados. People that won't back down in the day of battle. Man, they, they're gritty. They may be a little bit raw, a little rough around the edges, but they'll grapple, man. They'll fight. They'll scrap. They know what it means to stay in battle. They've got my back and I've got their back. They don't fold under pressure. They can handle controversy. They can handle a little persecution. Who's ready to see the power of God and the move of God's spirit in the earth? It's going to take some desperados. Who's ready? So ready that in reckless abandon, they will protect, preserve, and pursue the move of God, no matter what the cost is. A desperado is someone who is relentless. They got a Timex anointing. Y'all millennials don't even know what a Timex anointing is. You don't even know what a Timex watch is. Remember the old slogan? Takes a licking in. Oh, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. I can take a little pain. You know what I'm saying? I might get knocked down a couple times, but honey, if I get back up, you in trouble. You in trouble. You in trouble. They don't give up. They don't cave in. They're relentless. They don't turn coward. They fight with all they've got because all they've got is on the line. They're relentless. And you can't do, I can't put relentless in a bottle and say, here, take this. Drink this, or put it in a pill form, swallow this, or put it in a cream form and rub it on you, or take my hands and lay it on you and say, receive relentless. It don't come like that. Sometimes God will put you in a place where all you can do is fight your way out or shrivel up and die. Is it comfortable? No. Is it easy? No. But this God knows something about you. There's something of greatness in you that's stronger than you think. But he will stretch you and stretch you and stretch you. He'll get you to a place you go, Lord, I got to have you. If I don't have you, everything's going to fall apart. Let me prophesy over you. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to lose anything. You're about to gain everything back. God's going to restore to you everything that you lost. You won't break down. You won't break apart. You're going to break through. Like a pre you beat a pregnant woman, nine months, eight and a half months pregnant, desperado. Bad chick. That's one bad chick. Women are unbelievably strong because they're so resilient. They can handle stuff that men cannot handle. We all have our different giftings. There's not one man in here that you could give birth. Not one of you could give birth. 
We just complain about, we get a little sore finger. Oh, my finger all day. Oh, my finger, my finger. We're like, finger? About to give you a finger. <laughs> I'm pregnant. It hurts up in here. And um, they can't back out because they're pregnant. They got to go. They got to carry this thing to full term. And it's not easy. It's very difficult. It's, 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 they're desperate. You know, three, three months pregnant, like, oh, huh. <laughs> little pain. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Pregos. <laughs> little pain. Oh, four months, a little pain in my back. That's cute. I just I type that. I had the pain in my back today. Eight months. Get it out of me. And you love that child, but I'm saying you want it out, you know? You know what you got to do? The only thing you can do, and you know, ladies, what I'm talking about, you got to push. You can't back out now. You got to push. And I'm here to tell you, we're pushing something forth here in this church, a revival, a move of God's spirit, unlike Milwaukee, I believe, has ever seen before. I don't think we're the only ones, but I'm telling you right now, we're definitely in it. But it takes a little pain, and some persecution might come our way, and we might experience this or that, but that's all part of the process. It's all a part of what you got to do. Isn't it interesting that what the devil thought he would take us out with is the very place we get stronger? The place of your pain will become the place where you reign. You ought to mark that down, somebody. Tweet that. I'm saying to you that we're going to have to move out of character. We're going to have to do things we're not accustomed to doing. We're going to have to believe in a way we've never believed before in order to get our breakthrough. This is not a time to be cute. It ain't a time to be sweet. It ain't a time to stick to our little routines. This isn't a time to cry over what hasn't yet happened for us. What does he owe you anyways? He's God. It's a time for a desperate, reckless, out of line, undignified cry. It's time for crazy praisers to get back in the house and give God all the glory in spite of what you're going through. David, y'all, was a wild man. Wild. And when they recaptured the Ark of the Covenant and brought it back into Israel, the Bible says that David, the king, Mr. Royal, Mr. Altogether, stately, took off all his clothes down to his loincloth. Didn't care what anybody else thought. And the Bible said he danced and twirled and spin like a wild man all the way through the streets of Jerusalem. He got lost in it. He was reckless. He was desperate. He was thankful. He was grateful. He got crazy. And everybody rejoiced, but the familiar people, family members. They couldn't stand it. And his wife looked down, Mikhail, she looked down and saw him dancing like a wild man and screams and stop it. You stop it right now. My God, you're the king. And she was upset and said, this is undignified. 
David looked back in the window and said, woman, don't you ever approach me like that again. When I'm dancing, don't you ever interrupt me again. You think this is undignified. You ain't even seen undignified yet. I'll give God more praise and more shouts than you've ever seen in your lifetime. Church, if you want to get yourself out of the mess you've been in, been in you're going to have to learn to fight. Not get cute. Dig in. Get desperate. You want to get out of the stuff you're in? Get out of the mess you're in? You got to fight. The financial situation you're in? You got to fight. The physical battle you've been in? You got to fight. You got to be like a desperado. That's how you come to church, y'all. That's how you come. You get, the, you get so radical, you come to church, you go, I will not leave this place until I receive a miracle and a breakthrough. And I just believe when you get like that, they come quick. Get ready because everything's about to change. This woman came to Jesus and said, Lord, I'm almost done wrapping up here. Lord, I need you. If this was just for me, I wouldn't even bother you. I can hear her saying this. But it's not even just for me. I'm praying for my daughter here. A spirit of intercession came upon her. I'm not just thinking about me. I'm thinking about my legacy. Church, the devil possessed that girl. And the devil is still after our legacy to this day. He's after our children. It's our kids we have to fight for. It's the city we have to fight for. It's our church we have to fight for. We need revival. We need a move of God like we've never known before. You ain't going to convince this generation. Come on, you can't convince them. You're not going to do it. You're not going to have the right words to say. It just needs God to show up and show out. They, oh my God, what is this? I feel, what's going on with me? Jesus said, I'm sorry, this woman said to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. She asked for mercy. What did she get? She got radio silence. Nothing. Zip. But she wasn't your typical nice little woman. She was determined to not be denied a true desperado. Jesus said to this woman, I've only come for the lost sheep of Israel. That was his response to her. Not, not, she asked nothing about it. What did I even ask you about that? In other words, he was saying, you're not in the proper category for a miracle. She didn't get offended. She didn't get offended. She got up after it, and she dug her heels in and wouldn't let it go. And instead of offering offense, instead of offering offense to Jesus, this woman offers her worship to Jesus. I'm sorry you've been hurt. I'm sorry you feel abandoned by God. It's a lie. It's not the truth. But you've got to dig in a little bit more. You can do it. You will do it. Just like that woman who felt like, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can. And she offers the worship and everything. The Bible says she worshiped Jesus and said, Lord, help me. She was desperate. If you won't do it, who will? And Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Faith is required for your mountain to move. And worship can be the greatest sign of your faith if it becomes less about the words of a song and more about the cry of your heart. When worship isn't a catchy tune, but those words get in you somehow 
and you forget about everything around you, now they're coming up out of your heart or to your soul, and it's real and it's genuine. It moves the heart of God. It's your faith and operation. He looks and says, they should be they should be spitting mad, or they should be so angry with me, or they should be so sad. And all those emotions are true. And I'm not making light of anybody going through that. I go through that. We all go through that. But instead, we offer worship to him just because you're worthy. Everything changes in that moment. 